right, good Sunday to all of you Dunkdown listeners. Kind of weird even just talking about days anymore at this point. I guess we've still got the the rhythm of the podcast to, to keep us through. But it's Friday. like it's like the only thing that's giving me rhythm, Nate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, no, I mean it, it felt good actually. I record with Hollinger today. Uh, we did a for those of you who enjoyed the decade tournament idea that I did with Ben Taylor. John and I did a worst teams of the decade tournament, and that was uh, we had a really good time with that. We spent a bunch of time researching it and then uh then we did a bunch of research for today too i was actually busy all day today which was nice uh a welcome distraction good news is uh, you guys are still tuning in uh listens are down a little bit i think because people aren't commuting and you know obviously because there are no games but we thank you guys for continuing to listen and as long as you guys are listening we'll have content for you for sure i mean i'm not hopefully uh people will still be advertising and selling products and, uh but for the time being, that seems to be working out okay. So uh, we will be here with you guys for as long as this goes on uh, and people are still listening. So thanks again for your support. It, it's good to be part of this community. I appreciate all the nice messages that I've gotten. I'm sorry if I haven't had a chance to respond to everyone, but uh, talking about how I the article that I wrote was useful th- for them or just letting me know what your experiences are. It's just, it, it's good to hear from everyone and, and still have a little bit of a sense of community here uh, as we go through this. So what we're going to do today, we want to introduce this concept here, Danny? Yeah. I mean, it, it was funny. I pitched it to you before I realized the scope of the project, but it ended up, <laughs> it ended up being, um, so basically the idea that we, you and I have talked about various ways of doing kind of like a asset ranking type of idea. And and what this is going to be is, uh, it's it's a section of it, but I think in many ways is the most interesting and important section to do in something like this, which is just going through and or- ordering and talking about the first round picks that are owed outstanding. So, um it's you know so so what 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 teams owe like what what are the most valuable picks that one team owes another and because those are all tradable and everything else and it brings about a bunch of really challenging arguments that don't necessarily have right answers, but I think you and I both have strong feelings about, which sometimes, and we'll talk about where those are, just differ from where the average general manager is. You may have oversold me a little bit. I'm not sure that I have strong feelings about some of these. I mean, and, and yeah, like you, I, I knew there was a lot out there, but it I'll, was really... I'll, I'll tell yeah. people, there are 33. We're, there are two that we're going to skip. Um, because it's the the Warriors pick from this year and the Cavs pick, because as things stand right now, the odds of those actually conveying are so low as first round picks that it's just, they don't really count. Yeah. And so I'm not sure I have that strong of opinions because I just, at, at some point I kind of threw up my hands with all these, the Lakers and the Clippers and Houston picks that are due <laughs> four years from now. I'm like, man, you, you know, what do I make of that? I mean, I, I think we'll get into some of the methodologies that we use, but yeah, I mean, I remember when we did this, I can't remember it was two, three years ago or so, but I felt it was much easier to order stuff in because you had teams that were already bad who owed picks in the next couple of years. And so those appeared to be pretty valuable. Now, as it turned out, you know, Sacramento 2019 and Lakers 2018 and now Memphis 2021 or 2020, I guess it's going to turn out to be, uh, those picks weren't as useful as people thought they'd be. Those Brooklyn picks turned out to probably be higher than people thought they would be. So a reminder that all of this can very much change. 
But uh, a few other factors I wanted to put in here. 2020, supposed to be a bad draft. I'm not sure how the hiatus is going to enter into that. I'm not really thinking that that would reduce the value of 2020 picks particularly well, to me i, I wouldn't yeah, say that at this point there is a there is a specific thing that might factor in which is also if the cap gets lower then that means the rookie scale will get lower so those picks could be but i don't think you you know it's you're trying to get the best player that's more about than the financial value of the pick but yeah it's the the, the widely held expert opinions is that the 2020 draft isn't good and that the 2021 draft could be very good so yeah I was that, really looking forward to going to the Hoop Summit this year and seeing the likes of, of Kate Cunningham uh, for the first time. But uh, unfortunately, that's uh, that may not be happening. But yeah, 2021 is supposed to be better. Um, 2022 was supposed to be the double draft. I would say that recent, you know, it seemed like they weren't trending in the direction of reaching an agreement on that anyway. Maybe, you know, to have high schoolers enter the draft. Now, with all this uncertainty, I mean, maybe that still happens because they're just going to be negotiating everything else anyway to get the league back started again. So might as well just throw that in there as something else. Uh, But my guess would be maybe that's now going to be pushed back a year, especially with all the chaos in college basketball as well, that maybe 2023 could be the double draft rather than 2022. Yeah, and we know the league wants to give a little bit of notice to teams, but considering how many picks are traded so far out, I think they can't care as much as they were going to originally. It's like, oh, we want to do a draft where there are no obligations. I think they know it's going to have to happen at some point. Some teams are going to get inconvenienced. Some teams are going to benefit. Well, and then just to kind of spread things out among the years, and we'll get into a lot of these, obviously, in terms of specifics, but for just the 2020 draft, we've got nine first-round picks that have an alternate destination as of this point, and presumably before for the draft there could be more trades in that regard as well but this far out that is a lot of picks that have changed hands and many of them really within the last year year and a half yeah thank you paul george Kawhi leonard and yeah well that's just 2020 too i mean that wasn't the, uh yeah yeah there was i mean there were a the- lot of teams were definitely willing to part with first round picks within the the last couple of years um 2021 we've got probably between you know because there are some protections here most likely is maybe I'd say five picks that are already traded, then another two that could go that year, but are probably more likely to roll over. Um, and one of those is a swap too. We're kind of just including swaps in this as well. Yeah, but we'll know for a swap like it, it, so. The, theoretically, what the let's use the Knicks Clippers one for 2021. That was another part of the Marcus Morris trade. The Knicks basically the the way the Knicks get the Clippers pick if it is both better than the Knicks pick, but not top four. And so, like, yeah, as a technical matter, that yeah. asset I, is I actually, ranked that one last. Yeah, but technically, as an <laughs> asset, that's like, well, what the Knicks can trade is the better of their own pick and the Clipper, you know, like the better of their own pick and the Clippers pick. It's like, well, but the Knicks pick hasn't been traded. So, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, we're being fair and judicious with those. Um, yeah. some, something else that I think is is really interesting thinking about this with time is protection and upside. So, what if you have a team that's good right now, like the Clippers? So, you know, we'll do this. I'll do this as a, with an actual concrete example. So let's go all all the way out to 2026. And there are only two obligations that year, both of which are held by the Thunder. They have the Clippers unprotected first, and they have the Rockets first if it's not in the top four. So if it's five through 30. So then you get into those questions. Well, okay, I would expect with their owner and everything else that the Clippers will be a better team, you know, on, you know, because you're 
washing away all the talent that far out. And but the but the Rockets pick has that little bit of protection. If it doesn't convey, then it becomes a second round pick. So you have to square all those things in your head about like, well, was the chance that it's a top five pick and everything else. That's why I found it such an interesting exercise. And then also it gives an opportunity, which we'll go through at one point of how the league is going to look in a few years. You know, we did the crystal ball, but this is actually in some ways looking even far further beyond that. And so, like, I hadn't really thought about the 23-24 Golden State Warriors, and that ends up being really important to this. Yeah, I think when you get that far out, my philosophy is going to kind of be, I'm going to just bet on the organization a little bit more. I mean, the Warriors are in a little bit different of of a standpoint here because they've got a lot of old guys who are on big contracts. And so for them to be able to pivot before then, you would imagine they'd be on the downside whereas this could just be a completely different iteration of say the clippers in 2026 but yeah i mean you want to ask me would i rather have the clippers 2022 2024 or 2026 unprotected pick how the hell should i know i I mean i guess i guess 2022 you'd think that they would still have paul george and Kawhi, so it probably wouldn't be that one and 2026 is so far away yeah, I mean, and, but and maybe they would be, yeah. And that's another part of this. Like I, I alluded in the beginning to the idea that we value this a little differently than general managers is that immediacy matters more to them than to us because you want to get the benefits while you're still in the job because it's say, hey, look at the thing I got you. Unless it's like such a blue chip yeah. asset. You and I are, hey, if it's like five picks better and it's a couple years later, but that's five picks better. And, yeah, and but you're also, you know, the further out you go, the less certainty you have uh, as well. So Absolutely. Yeah, uh, and this is going to be an interesting discussion. Um you know, especially because in this case, the highest upside picks are all further out. So, all right, we'll, we'll get into this here and see where some of these picks are, are going to rank for us in just a second. Okay, so as I went through this, I thought that there was one pick out there that I ranked above every other pick. I did the we, same. Did, what What was it for you? Well, so there's only one pick where it is a team that I don't expect. So one of the key differentiators is whether it's going to be a lottery pick or not. And incidentally, yeah. there though you talked about the nine 2020 obligations. None of those right now are going to be lottery picks. It's possible, you know, if certain things broke certain ways, like Memphis could miss the playoffs, probably not Brooklyn. And yeah, yeah that's the only chance. That's the only chance. And remember that yeah. pick is protected. If it jumped into the lottery, if it jumped into the top four, then Memphis would keep it and put, convey in 2020 or 21. And um, so you, that was something I really valued is like what are the chances that this is going to be a lottery pick and yeah because also low lottery has more value than it used to now it does and um and also yeah so for me that pick like you go through all those obligations a lot of them are good teams a lot of them are teams in the next couple years that we're pretty confident you know like dallas 2021 the knicks own that pick unprotected but the 2020 slash 21 mavericks are going to be good they're going to have unless somebody gets hurt which is of course always possibility but for me, the one that's soon enough that I think we know and that I don't think the team is going to be great is that Minnesota pick. So this is the pick that Minnesota traded to the Warriors in the D'Angelo Russell trade. The Warriors get it if it is 4 through 30. And then if, if the pick is in the top three, then Minnesota sends their unprotected pick in 2022. And a part of the other reason why this was top for me, beyond the fact that I don't think Minnesota is going to be great next year, they could be fine, they could be you know interesting, is that is the idea that it's if it if it doesn't convey in 21, then it's unprotected 
unprotected in 22. And remember that Minnesota is in the unusual circumstance where it's going to be hard for them to pivot. You know, so if Minnesota's really bad next year, unless it's like a specific injury, you don't think they're going to be like all the way into the playoffs the next year. So the the Warriors are probably getting a lottery pick in 22 then if it's not in 21. Yeah, and the other reason I like that too is that it's actually, it's only top three protected, not top four protected. So you could pop up into the lottery with that number four slot and get that and then also as we mentioned that at least as far as we know is looking like the best draft i mean you really can probably only go two years out on that mm-hmm. you know, 20 20 and 21 but still the fact that that's looking like a better pick than any of the 20 picks as you mentioned with because none of those are looking like they're going to be in the lottery or likely to be late lottery so yeah i, I like that i mean we've seen D'Angelo Russell, Carl Towns. I mean, that you know, that's. I think the consensus is even if everyone stays healthy, you know, they're kind of the eleventh or twelfth best team in basketball. They could make the playoffs next year for sure. But I think you meant in the uh, West, not in basketball. Uh oh, best team. Yeah, no, sorry, worst team. I should say. Yeah, the, yeah. they're the picking eleventh or twelfth. That that's what I meant to say. Um. So yeah, uh, thank you for that correction. And I think maybe that makes this trade look a little bit better for the Warriors that they got the best pick that is out there right now for for anybody well and what's shocking the other thing that's shocking is how far to me the memphis pick moved down just because of the like if, if we had done this same exercise in january or in december i mean yeah. that, that memphis pick was looking great but now it's it's i mean it's probably going to convey like right now it'd be the 17th pick and even if what the regular season comes back and memphis loses a couple games it's really like maybe it becomes 14th and that's that's good but remember this draft isn't that highly thought of and I'm going to mention another one that I think is the single most fascinating and potentially important obligations out there. This is a rare form of of pick obligation. And this is my number. This is my number three. But you could argue that it should be number two, which is the... um, it's it's one of the picks that was involved in the uh, Anthony Davis trade. And so here's here's the structure for, for the Pelicans, whether David Griffin's the GM or somebody else. Presumably after the 2024 lottery, the Pelicans can say, we want either this pick unprotected or we want the next year unprotected. And so what that means is they get so much more information because they don't they they'll know when this when this happens they'll know how the Lakers looked in the 23-24 season they'll know what their books are like for the next one they'll have a lot more information you know LeBron and AD will both be on their next contracts whether those are with the Lakers or somebody else AD might even be on his another contract from that point and so that is a, a lever of power it's not an automatic trigger or anything like that that is it, it, it's valuable because it gives the choice you know I talked about how like a player option or a team option you assume that entity is always going to make the right decision but that's and the Lakers I mean there's a lot of uncertainty there once you get that far out it's unclear to me I don't recall seeing when exactly you have to decide I believe it's be, I, do, I believe it's between the lottery and the draft. I don't know the exact date, but that's that's my general understanding. Yeah. So so I mean that could be interesting, right? It just gives you so many options that you could. All right, if we find a great trade that we want to put this pick in now, we'll do that. Okay, no trade. Fine. We'll we'll wait until next year. Now you know if the Lakers are bad and it's like the number six pick or something, then do you defer until the next year, hoping it'll be even better? Do you know who the 
number one pick is going to be the next year or do you really like the top three i mean there's going to be so much gamesmanship and it'll be really a fascinating decision well, and I, then, I can't yeah and then the other part of this i mean yeah you're probably going to choose it based on the the players you expect to get all that but remember that also how this squares up with the pelicans form of development i mean that far out zion's not even going to be on his rookie scale contract anymore so this will be adding if the lakers if it ends up being a potentially good pick either year this is something i got obsessed with with the sixers before they did the markel Fultz trade was the idea that they could add good pieces that were cost controlled after they were already a really good team and if the Pelicans get there there's no guarantee that they will like I think this is a more specifically valuable piece for them than maybe for some other teams depending on how expensive guys like Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart get we kind of know how expensive Brendan Ingram's gonna get yeah, so I thought that's really an interesting one. I mean, I think the other Lakers pick that's owed is top seven protected in 2021. So almost certainly going to roll over to 2022. And you imagine that... Yeah, we should mention that's yeah. rever- it's reverse protected. It's only It only conveys if it's if it's one through seven. Otherwise, they get the Pelicans get the 20 through. The, uh, the- yeah, boy, I'm really, I'm really slipping here. I'm needing a lot of cor- corrections. No, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, you, come on. You're, you do a podcast with the pick protection maven. This is, this is what, like, this is, this is where, this is where I live. Um, yeah, I mean, I could, I could just like read the information that's on the sheet in front of me. That's all right. Though. But, but, that's, no, but it's, I mean, but, and that gets into some of the protection stuff. And, and I thought that maybe this is David Griffin being an experienced GM or, you know, and Palenka and obviously both, both GMs have staffs and all that. But I think that the, there were these yeah, Rob, modifi- Rob would have to actually talk to his, though. There are these modifications that the Pelicans did that I think made this weight, like, e- even when, when you think about just, like, the sheer number of picks that they got and the players and all that, the structures of these, like, okay, 2021, they only get the pick if it's in the top seven. And I mean, so that's that's pretty awesome. And then otherwise, it, it it moves back. And when I think what they're doing is a bet on LeBron, you know. So it's like, well, if the wheels fall off the wagon, then we'll get the pick. Otherwise, the next year will probably be better. Yeah. Well, there's also, I mean, maybe a chance that things had went poorly and AD would have just left for the 2021 season. And so that's where that uh, getting that pick, if it came in the top seven that year, but I think more than you want to defer it if it's not at that point, because you'd presume that they'll be worse in 22 than they'll be in 21 due to a potential decline from LeBron and not having a ton of avenues to add more talent. Um, so do you think it'd be, I, th- I think it'd be a, a little bit of a worthwhile exercise. I think we can kind of breeze through 2020 because we already know the we already have a good idea of the rough numbers of the picks. But then in some of the other years, just just lay it out and talk a little bit about where the league might be then. Does that make some sense to you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then we can kind of go through and, and remind people of some of the other picks that are out yeah, there. Yeah, some of the ones that we really like. So I'll do 2020 pretty fast because and, and these are the picks as of if the season froze for the hiatus. So the Celtics would be getting 17 from Memphis. All the rest of them will be actually. I'll start, I'll start with the with the best pick. Um, the Wolves will be getting 16 from Brooklyn. The Grizzlies would be getting 17 from Boston. The Nets would be getting 19 or 20 from Philly. No, the, no, you mean you mean Boston would be getting it from the Grizz? But yeah, yeah, Boston for the Grizz. Thank you. Um, yeah. so so the Nets getting 19 or 20 from Philly. The Bucks getting 19 or 20 from the Pacers. That's from the Malcolm Brogdon trade. Uh, the Nuggets would be getting 21 or 22 from Houston. That's the uh, the Robert Covington trade. Sixers getting 
21 or 22 from OKC. Remember how we thought there was no chance that pick was going to convey? That's the that was yeah. the, that's pretty amazing. Um, well, yeah, and, and so as of right now, it would convey, right? It would convey. Yeah, it's, it's that yeah. one is protected if it's in the top 20. Yeah. And we thought, oh man, when they traded Chris Paul and they traded Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook, no chance they're going to have one of the 10 best records. Right now, they do. Um, yeah, Denver Denver would be sending the 25th pick to OKC. That's the Jeremy Grant trade. Right. Um, the Clippers would be sending 27 to the Knicks for the Marcus Morris trade. And then the uh, the Bucks would be sending number 30 to the Celtics. And I think that's the one that was the Bledsoe trade and then was in the uh, Ty Jerome trade. Yes, indeed. So yeah, Celtics will have their own pick, something in 17 and 30. That'll that'll be interesting. We we talked about how it might make sense to try to deal some of those picks, but they didn't really find the, the deal at the deadline. Um, yeah, so as we go through here, 2021... Some interesting ones. We mentioned that Minnesota one. Miami is out there unprotected. Dallas is out there unprotected. That's two. The Miami one is either Thunder or Rockets, depending on swaps. Uh, that Dallas one goes to the Knicks from the Chris Saps Porzingis trade, which uh, hasn't gone that well for the Knicks. Um, Houston goes to the Thunder. That's a potential swap, though, right? No, I believe that's a straight-up pick. Okay, but if it's... it's uh, one through four protected if it goes into one through four okc just gets nothing that's a that's pretty interesting i, th- really I believe that's that a, i believe often. that's a stepian rule issue right right yeah I, I think that's what it is and utah this is an interesting one probably not going to go you would imagine next year it only goes if it's eight to 14 otherwise it gets pushed back to being protected seven to 30 in 2022 so that's likely 2022 i don't see utah being a lottery team next year and then there's that uh that awesome clippers swap with the <laughs> knicks right to uh swap if, with the clippers if the knicks are if 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 the knicks are better than the clippers then 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 the knicks can get the clippers pick uh i mean there's a lot of uncertainty in the world right now probably the most uncertain times of our lifetime i feel pretty comfortable that the the knicks will not be better than the clippers <laughs> next year yeah and i think what's what's really telling about that group is the teams and remember a lot of these obligations were created in the last little bit um that a lot of those teams are, are going to be in the playoffs you know so it is similar i touched you know so every pick that convey that will convey in 2020 that will actually do it is as of right now a non-lottery pick and then in 2021 the minnesota one is the only one that is off a team that as things as for what we know right now obviously nothing is guaranteed injuries everything else could swing it and but they're all teams that we expect to be good like miami and dallas and houston which of those picks you would you want to have the most other than the minnesota one i mean i think is so it's yeah it's either miami or dallas you would think right because those are unprotected yeah yeah i I mean houston though they could be in just a totally different realm next year as well yeah that's yeah, Houston. Houston's an interesting one. Um, and then remember that the the other the reason I would probably go, I would have the Lakers pick maybe a little higher than that one is because if like it, it's unprotected in twenty twenty two, but I think the Lakers are better positioned to be to be good for a, for another couple of years, depending on what LeBron wants. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, none of those are particularly sexy to me, other than the Minnesota one. Well, and, and that's and that's also what's different about twenty twenty one. Like that's the the year where I think, especially considering how little cap space there is around the league, where I think we have a pretty good idea of which teams are going to be good and which teams aren't. You know, we don't know everything, but I think we have a, a pretty a yeah. pretty good idea. Then once you get beyond that, then things get uncertain, and that's like when we start starts getting into like, okay, it's good to have context, but thankfully there are fewer team there are fewer obligations to work with. So I, I put together a little bit on that. So now we're going to fast forward to twenty twenty two. 
That is the, so the 21-22 season then is what precedes that. That's what will determine the draft order. There are only three obligations. The Clippers' unprotected pick is going to the Thunder. That is a really interesting year for the Clippers because the summer before this season is the year that both Kawhi and Paul George have their player option. So they will both hit unrestricted free agency if they want to. Remember, they timed it up that way in Kawhi's case, most likely partially to line up with Paul George, but also because that means he has the 10 years experience. That means he can get the 35% max with anybody. So that's, that's you know, the, whether that is the Clippers or it's somebody else. So there is some yeah. uncertainty that year. Yeah, I, I do. I think the fact that the Clippers had really started playing a lot better before the hiatus makes me feel better about them. Um, how old will Kawhi and PG be at that point? They'll both be in their 30s. So for the, the, the season that's relevant here, Kawhi will be 30 and Paul George will be 31 basketball reference ages. Um, so... I think they'll still be prime enough, you know, like they, I think it'll be there, but you think about how the uh, the load management will still probably be there for Kawhi. I think that's going to be for the rest of his career. And then another thing to remember for some of these circumstances, and this will be exceedingly relevant for the next team we talk about, is that the Clippers, I think they're going to load up as best they can this offseason. And so they'll have a lot of those guys under contract. That does two things. One is that means it will be harder for them to change direction if one of those guys leaves. Like, they won't just have a boatload of cap space and sign somebody else. Right. Because they're going to have, like, let's say Marcus Morris on the books or somebody like, you know, they'll, they'll be re-signing their guys to be as good as they can for next year. And so then they'll throw in some obligations. But the but the other part is, well, they'll have some better players. They're not going to tank. You know, they're going to have some they're going to have some good good guys on the books, you know, Shamit and, and Beverly and all that type of stuff. So you get that. And then that where that's really relevant is the pick that, has you know a lot of intrigue in certain respects, which is Milwaukee. This is the pick that they traded to Cleveland in the in the, the salary dump plus George Hill trade. And that pick will go to the Cavs if it's eleven through thirty. Otherwise it has a set of protections moving it has a set of protections moving forward. And so Milwaukee there, okay, twenty one twenty two might be thinking, well why does that year matter? Well that's the year, the season that is immediately following when Giannis would be a free agent if he doesn't extend. So that the, the the Bucks have all of their other players under contract. You know, Middleton and Lopez, they re-signed all those guys in 2019. But if Giannis leaves, it'll be, you know, kind of like Garfield minus Garfield. I brought that up before. Of It's like, you know, they're, they have all these pieces that work around Giannis and they're good veterans, but they might be a little bit too expensive at that point. Um, so what they do then, I think they're still going to be a very good team, but there is a little bit of value there from Cleveland's perspective. Yeah, I have a pretty unfounded hypothesis, but I've just been thinking about it. And that is just with so much uncertainty now in the world and just the feeling that we've gotten that like, wow, like anything could be taken away from you at any time. I think that we'll see maybe a little bit more conservatism from everybody in their daily life. I mean, you know how like people who lived through the depression are never throw anything away and they're really frugal and get upset with you if you waste anything, that kind of thing. Maybe this event could have a similar effect on our generation. And I don't know exactly how that would affect players, but you, my thought would be, okay, if you can get a five-year Supermax contract in a place where you've been pretty happy, maybe you take it, right? Like I, My thought is that maybe, he, be honest, would be more likely to stay in Milwaukee now because of this, which, I mean, again, this is maybe 
delving too deeply into psychoanalysis so I, i'm not gonna say that i know this to be the case but i th- that would be a thought i think that players will generally default more towards taking money earlier and staying in the same location maybe with the exception of like wanting to go and be at home and be around family maybe that that could be part of this too well so but, and, yeah. but another piece of context here that i think is for cleveland analyzing the value of this pick is my firm belief is that if if Giannis doesn't extend, let's say he, for whatever reason, this offseason, whenever that is, he, he just says, I'm not ready, I don't want to do that, whatever whatever the reason might yeah. be. The, they're going to keep him. They're going to they're go gonna, the They're going to do the Durant. You know, Durant, there was a different circumstance because of the financials, but basically what they're going to say is, we we think we can convince you to stay, and we'll we'll keep you on the books, and if you, uh, maybe banners fly forever, maybe we'll win the championship that year, I think they'd have a good chance, and we'll see where it comes. So now, how does that affect, how does that affect Cleveland's stance on this? Well, I mean, I think that increases the upside of the pick because the idea that they could potentially lose him for nothing. And then everything else feasts and maybe they make some trades, save some money. Well, but if they lose him for nothing, then it probably doesn't convey because it's only 11 to 30. Yeah, I guess that's a possibility. I mean, mean, you would imagine that they would probably try to reload at that point. Probably. They've got a lot of older guys. You know, they might look at moving Chris Middleton even. We'll see it. But, uh, all right, let's take a quick break. We, we can talk a little bit more about some of these further out obligations and, and get into kind of thinking of which of these types of assets we'd rather have. So 2023. Well, let, me, let me jump. There's beyond. one more 2022, but it's it's. I oh, think okay. it's I think it's the weakest of these for a very specific reason. So OKC would send their 2022 first to the Hawks only if it's if they make the playoffs. Otherwise, it becomes two seconds. So this is, to me, one of those lower upside ones. Yeah, like there's no chance it's a lottery pick. It's more likely that it becomes seconds at that point. Um, so I don't think it's I don't think it's as as great. I believe this was the the Carmelo shooter trade. Um, right. So yeah, I mean it's entirely possible that OKC is good enough to make the playoffs. It is worth noting that is the year of Chris Paul's gigantic player option. So I was assume he's going to pick that up, whether it's with the Thunder or with somebody else. And also OKC, none of their other veterans as of right now, this could change with Gallinari or any number of other things, are under contract. Stephen Adams will have expired by this point. Um, Gallo, all those type of guys. So the Thunder could look dramatically different in twenty one. 22 but if they miss the playoffs they keep the pick and if they make the playoffs then you're getting a you know you're getting a pick probably in the 20s so getting into 2023 there are only two picks out there actually no hold on two picks two swaps there's there's there is one pick out there from 2023 and beyond no two picks out there from 2023 and beyond that are not owed to either the thunder or the pelicans so what one is miami's 2023 first that one is lottery protected for two years, three years actually, and then unprotected in 2026. And then the other one, which is one that I I like pretty well in this, I would probably have this one in the top five, I would say, is Golden State in 2024, the pick they used to move Andre Iguodala. That is one through four protected, but Golden State in 2024, I think I almost have a little bit more certainty about them because it seems like, okay, they're, everyone that we know on the team is going to be on the downside at that point most likely you know maybe maybe they get one other player here or or this draft pick that they get looks awesome but this isn't supposed to be an amazing draft and they don't have much flexibility to to do anything so i think that they'll probably be a lottery team by 2024 i'd say more likely than not they're in the lottery well i'll give some of the other relevant stuff clay will be under contract and that'll be his age 33 season draymond has a 28 million dollar player option that'll be his age 33 season i expect he'll pick that up (laughs) 
Yeah, I think you picked that up. Yeah. Um, Wiggins will be 28, and then Curry uh, will have been a free agent previously, but if he's still on the Warriors, and I expect that he will be, he'll be 35 that year. So yeah, we're, we're getting heavy into post-prime at this stage for all of those guys. And remember that they're not going to have cap space between now and then, so it's not like they can build up the war chest really at all other than their, their own first-round pick this year. And that's going to be, you know, years before this. This So unless unless they get a star in this year's draft or use that pick to get a young star, that will be another, like, huge piece of this team. I think that's I think that's a fair interpretation. And this is one of my top five. It was my number four. Yeah, and then you've just got Houston, Lakers, and Clippers making up the rest of these picks from now all the way. Well, there's there's actually one other one, which is Dallas. Um, so Dallas is... Tw- yeah, I, meant, I oh, thought you, I mentioned oh, that. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I, I, was, I was getting there, yeah, okay. sorry. Yeah, that, that's the other 2023 one, which is the... Uh, but that one, interestingly, is protected 11 to 30 for a couple of years, and then it transitions into a second rather than becoming unprotected. That is also owed to the Knicks from the Porzingis trade. So again, I would say Dallas, with the young talent they have, projects to not be a lottery team at that time. Yeah, so I think you're. I think there. It's it's sort of paralleling that Miami pick, where it's like you're probably not getting something good because if Dallas is bad enough, they'll just keep it. Yeah. Now that could be the double draft, though. That's probably the most likely time that we would have the double draft with high schoolers and also the players who weren't eligible the year before coming off their freshman years. Basically, the the opposite of the 2006 draft, which was a, a relatively weak one in, in retrospect. But if if you want to think about, um, so well, we'll j- I'll do this just for Miami because they're the team that changes. So in for the 23 draft, they have that pick they only have one major guy under contract right now for that year and that's jimmy butler they'll be his age 33 season if he picks up his player option but they're trying to be players in 21 possibly in 2020 but i doubt it so i think they will have those obligations i think we'll have a really good idea you know yeah i mean how long can pat riley keep going on isn't he 75 i think i think 2021 that offseason is going to be kind of like the last that i think that's going to be the throw the rings on the table again see what you can do yeah and then he gives it. I don't know who the protege is there, but whoever. I think that's. I think my instinct is that's going to be it. But who knows? It might be before that. Might be after that. Well, let's just look at this now from a more holistic standpoint. We've got Lakers, Clippers, and Houston obligations from twenty four through twenty six. How? Who do you think will be the best of those teams? Or I'm sorry, I guess we should say the worst of those teams <laughs> at that time. I'm gonna bet. You know, as you talked about, I think it's more on organizations than than individual players. I mean, basically, starting with the 24 draft, none of those three teams have anybody currently under contract. Probably not even Davis if he extend like if he does something this summer. Like you just you just don't have yeah because he he might go he might do the same two plus thing one as one Kawhi plus one. do the uh, yeah try to get the re up again for the 10 plus yeah I wrote a, uh, I wrote, actually wrote a full next. piece breaking down his contract options at the Athletic about a month and a half ago. Go, I went through the argument for and against each way i, I and it was, it was fun to do to do that because like I've, I've i've used his current teammate lebron james is like i call it my cba muse before but ad actually worked really well to go through that but yeah so that so they're not gonna be under contract so then to me the first thought is well the rockets to be are the, are the weakest of them for a couple reasons one is i, I think daryl morey is, is well, the, the first one is tillman tillman and the second one, one is, is for yeah exactly yeah. and <laughs> 
<laughs> the Ro- also the Rockets like they have guys under contract for a lot for a long time going right before this. Russell Westbrook and James Harden have player options in twenty two twenty three. I I expect Russell Westbrook will pick his up. Harden will have to see. I mean, if he's still playing an MVP level, maybe he get takes a lower annual value and then but just signs a ridiculously hilariously long contract. But we're talking we're talking mid thirties Harden and Russ for all of these years. So they have players that they might have under contract who will be post prime. But they also have yeah and I and I don't think Maury is I seems very unlikely to still be there with the, with both the overall friction he's had with Fertitta the fact that it is Fertitta and just working with him doesn't really seem like the greatest thing in the world and then obviously the the fact that Fertitta can't be happy with him after this uh flap with China and that's cost the Rockets a lot of money I'm sure Fertitta will be hoping to recoup that Chinese money at the earliest practicable point when it doesn't look like he's firing Daryl for that reason right and and also they have enough they have enough stuff right now that they're not gonna be they're not gonna be adding assets we've talked about how little young talent the Rockets have right now and they've had you know because they've traded first round picks to get under the tax and to, to improve in the short term you know all those sorts of things and so it's going to be hard for them even if even if Maury for however long he's the GM keeps finding some quality players out of the rough they're going to be having to find them out of the rough every time they're going to be sifting and that's really hard it's really hard to transform and then you have the the Lakers who are just a money factory and the Clippers who have an insanely wealthy owner I I think those those give them the advantage Maury because I think he's the best negotiator of these three did get the most favorable terms so for example like the Rockets picks in 2024 their pick convey their they if their pick doesn't convey if it's one through four then they only give up two seconds and then in 26 same thing one through four otherwise they give up one second that's that's a lot better than an unprotected pick but and you know how much are you really freaking out about that upside you know getting into that i would say it's more about the organization than the protection knowing what we know right now maybe if you and i are having this podcast in 2022 maybe we know a lot more and are feeling a little bit differently about it but for right now i would i would rank it rockets are more desirable to have their picks and then i think i would go lakers then clippers just because lebron's age and the fact that like he i think he has more equity within the organization than any of the clippers guys do and the clippers are just a better a better organization i think i agreed now perhaps the lakers will just uh, and the lakers but the lakers have ad i mean that that is the one the the easy counter to that is like they have a player who's more in line with this time frame who is like so ad's age 30 season would be but how do they build around him yeah it's a good question i mean lebron presumably is going to re-sign there after this contract and be making ridiculous amounts of money at that point you know that he'll probably do another four-year contract maybe i mean or, maybe or, he or he squares, it. squares up with Bronny. that's my personal theory is that i think he's gonna try to square it up so that he this have you have i told this theory on the podcast yet i've said it on my own yeah i, I think you mentioned it i mean i i'm i think it's more likely than not that he might just Bronny doesn't make the nba i he, mean he may, maybe might, he does just for pr stuff but well yeah. yeah but that was my theory is that lebron says i will sign wherever he gets drafted and then that leads to Bronny getting overdrafted <laughs> because oh my god we get lebron for a year or two and the, you can yeah. sell jerseys and all that yeah we'll see i mean i i've i don't know how to evaluate 14 year olds i mean i wasn't like yeah. wowed by seeing him the one time i saw him in person yeah i read i think rafael Juara did a breakdown on him and it wasn't it was it was you know positive but not glowing so yeah i agree with you i think i would go uh, although that lakers pick the fact that uh, just as one individual asset the fact that it can be deferred and it's unprotected both years that might trump 
any individual Houston year because you can hedge your bets. Yeah, you get you get a lot more information and you get and you get the choice. Yeah. And is A D gonna be that good at what, like thirty two at that point? No, he actually he's younger than that though, huh? Yeah, so for the twenty four draft that would be his age thirty season. For the twenty five draft that'd be his age thirty one season. So yeah, he'll still be quite quite good probably. Okay, so give me the rest of your top five. Here we we both agree number one is that twenty twenty one Minnesota. After that I really which is uh top three protected and then unprotected in 2022 that's to golden state for the angela russell deal but i really had a ton of difficulty differentiating after that yeah i i originally had houston's 2024 first over the lakers one but i'm going to switch that because of the choice i think the choice that it's double unprotected i'm going to switch those two so then my number two is the lakers 2024 or 25 pick new orleans gets to choose so that's my second best outstanding asset number three then is that Houston 2024. And the reason I'm going 24 over 26 is it's a little bit sooner and because all their main guys aren't going to be under, aren't under contract anyway. So it's like, well, that might be when they're re- retooling, reloading, all that type of stuff. Like yeah. maybe that's the trough. Yeah. And so I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you there. And But then the other one that you could make an argument, like, I mean, you, maybe you make an argument that the Warriors should be there, but my idea is their guys, they have some good guys under contract. I think Clay Thompson will age reasonably well. And I bet, I think their organization is better than the Rockets, especially when we're thinking where will the Rockets be in three years rather than where they are right now. Um, so I put the Warriors pick. So that's 20, that conveys if it's five through 30 in 24. Otherwise, it almost definitely conveys in 2025 unless they have the number one pick. And then my number five, then we're really like, there are a bunch of them that are around that. I just went with the Clippers 2024 first because it's it's sooner than some of the other ones and it is it yeah. still has some of the uncertainty. But that that when that when to me, there was a line between the fourth pick and everything else. Yeah, and you could make the argument that when we're dealing with so far out, maybe you're better off just going with an unprotected pick. Right. That that just, it doesn't matter. You just, there's no way you can anticipate it. I, I don't know if I quite believe that, but there's no way you can anticipate what these teams are going to look like four years from now. I and mean, we've seen how our 2020 crystal ball uh, went awry, <laughs> to, if you need some evidence of that. And that was two years ahead, not, not to mention four years ahead. So that one is an argument for, hey, just, just pick the unprotected one. And so that's why I like that Lakers one, number two, because it's unprotected and you can pick one of the two years. Uh, and also just because, like, it's awesome. We haven't had this in, like, the era that I've been covering the league. The, the strategy of that is going to be absolutely fascinating. So what do you think of this Utah one that is owed to Memphis? I actually think that one could be interesting because 2021, Gobert is a free agent. Can they agree on a new contract there? If they don't get there the next couple of years, they don't have a great way of replenishing. I mean, they'll be kind of rebuilding around Donovan Mitchell, but you know, but I'm not sure that he's... Yeah. You could also see them being a late lottery team that year. You know, like the yeah. so the, so the pick, I think it's most likely to convey in 22. And right. it's only protected if it's top six. So I don't think a team with Donovan Mitchell and their well-run Dennis Lindsay and everything else, like I could, I don't think they're going to be one of the six worst teams. Maybe it jumps up into lottery reform. So yeah, there there is some upside there. I considered that one too, um, be, especially with... Yeah, or, or at least I, I see them as maybe like a low-end playoff team at that time. But even that, you know, I mean, that's, you know, the 18th pick 2021's uh, or 2022 could be a good draft we don't know it's probably gonna be better yeah. than this year yeah so that's just one to keep an eye on because i'm not sure utah you think of them as oh they're this ascending team but then you really look at their roster and 
Mitchell is their only decent guy under 27 right now. That's a major part of what they're doing. Right, and they'll have an inflection point with Conley and some of this other stuff too. So yeah, that's an interesting one. The Milwaukee pick is compelling to me on the idea that if, if if Giannis leaves, but it being 11 through 30 and then basically never being unprotected, I don't like picks that never that that maintain a level of protection that I think is it could potentially fall into you know like that sort of thing like you might end up with just two seconds and that sucks all right a couple of questions here before we wrap up uh are there any 2020 picks that you would rank ahead of outstanding 2021 picks full picks not swaps okay so basically would I rather have the 16th pick because that's the best one that's that's currently owed well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Um, I've only watched a little bit of film on a single person in the 2020 draft. <laughs> but my goodness, I think I'd rather I think I'd rather have almost anything in 21. Yeah. So what you'd be looking at here in 21. Well, OK, obviously the Minnesota one we ranked. Above. Yeah. So, so yeah, take we, out the, we Minnesota, exclude the one. Minnesota one. I, I assumed I assumed that was going. Yeah. So really, the ones that are going to convey in 21 are probably Houston, Dallas, Miami. So let's say the best, the most the best of those picks is probably going to be maybe somewhere around 20. Would I rather have the 16th pick in a draft that people think is bad or the 20th pick in a draft that people think might be good? I'd rather have the 20th pick. Well, and another reason I think I might prefer 2021 is 2021 offseason seems like it's going to be a much more movement-heavy offseason than this one is going to be. And so having that ammo then in the form of the pick, which you can trade without having to match salary, you can let the other team make the pick if they want to, also supposed to be a good draft. Yeah, it's tough. You know, Houston, Dallas, Miami, I mean, some of those could be number 30. I I don't care how bad a draft it is. I'd rather have 15 in a bad draft than 30 in a good draft. Yeah, that's true. I shouldn't have used the best pick. I should have used the worst one. Um, Yeah, so it's, yeah, 16 versus versus 30 is, is a different conversation. Yeah, so I think there's a couple of these ones that I would rather have in 2020, but we don't know. The other thing, though, is you don't know which of Miami, Dallas, or Houston is going to actually be the worst one, like any of those teams. I I think probably Miami has the least upside of that group for 2021, but again, they could all, all those could be, you know, 50 win teams. Um, One more question here. What is the highest upside pick? Other than the Minnesota one? Well, so you you think that one has the highest upside? It is top three protected the first year. I actually think it might be the Lakers one. The the, the Pelican. The the, the 24-25 deferment. You get two bites bites at the apple, and that's so far out. It's so far. And it's unprotected, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and they are not, I still, despite the fact that they've gotten it together, I don't give their organization much credit for that. And I think if they really have to build things, that it could get pretty ugly. And especially, you know, if AD just ends up missing half the season one of those years, could be trouble. And we've seen even, and then you also look at the idea that, let's say they are, you know, the 10th worst record both of those years. Well, one of those two years, they might pop up in the lottery and you get to decide after the first year whether you want to take that or not. So it's not perfect. You could you could help be in a hilarious situation where you defer it and actually get a worse pick a year later. Oh, it absolutely like that could, could easily happen. Absolutely, which is what which is what's be- so beautiful about this too. Yeah. Um. One other thing I want to mention just just the ridiculousness of the Thunder's war chest. So they have uh, we may need to record a separate podcast we, we, we probably do I, I put together a list uh, for we did a collaborative piece for the, the Thunder on the Athletic and I just wrote out all of their obligations like all the picks that are getting from people but it's they have two or more first round picks beyond their own all of which but one they have for 23 24 
25 and 26 assuming things don't fall within the protection like and so basically this was something i wrote about and we talked about a little bit at the time when they made when they made the double trades was they have this really unusually diversified portfolio so they might end up needing some time to get better you know maybe chris paul whatever they're gonna do with that but they they if the rockets are worse than we expect and maybe it's health maybe it's things fall apart whatever it could be then things look good for them if something bad happens with the clippers so really all they need is one thing and it doesn't have to be them and so that's such a good place to be now figuring out when to trade those picks or what to do with them is really hard you can point to you can talk to danny ainge or um i mean the stuff with the with the pick that the from the rondo trade the sacramento one which became more valuable than less valuable like time Timing on some of this stuff is really complicated, but having that many arrows in the quiver is ridiculous. Yeah, it'd be interesting to think about, do the Thunder right now have the biggest draft pick war chest in NBA history? I'd say probably not because none Boston, of them are blue chip like that that, yeah. that was the difference when there was a point when boston like we knew the nets were going to be bad there was no way for them to be good and they had their yeah. picks unprotected i mean if you're looking at boston like end of the 2015 season brooklyn stretches darren williams they move it avoids the luxury tax they move into a new era they just made that trade with uh for jeff green to get that memphis pick they Boston was looking pretty amazing at that. They they had a bunch of other picks just kind of floating around there too. That none of them really ended up being, I think that that useful for them. But I, I, my memory may be failing me on that. So it, that, it's and I'm sure there's some team that like made a trade with the Cavs back in the early 80s. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, go too. yeah, going back, I should reread my Stepian my Stepian piece and see if there was something in there. Yeah. Well, I, and the Lakers always seemed to somehow I, the Lakers were good and they managed to draft magic johnson james worthy and then byron scott they did trade norm nixon for him within uh a four draft period they drafted those those three guys and they were like in the nba finals every year anyway well yeah and then there's all the i, I did some of it from like the the some of the red Auerbach stuff like the parish McHale, joe barry carroll all that type of stuff it was ridiculous but a lot of those picks were more immediate for the celtics it was they 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 didn't they didn't have it as far out all right, anything to talk about here before we go? If people haven't listened to it, my uh, Real Gym Radio with Sam Vicini came out on Friday. That was really fun. Uh, we, we talked a little bit about the unusual nature of the 2020 draft because of the you know the season being over and the blind decisions that some of these players are going to have to make and agent negotiations. All that was really interesting. Um and we also did his elevator sales pitch, like so basically the like how things could work out for all of the top ten players in his mock draft, which was fun to hear. Like I wanted to go positive, and so I learned like this is what he likes about each of those guys. All right, we will be back tomorrow. We have one of our favorite episodes uh, of the year coming. I think that's uh, that is the plan right now. So check in on that, and also my pod with Hollinger is out as well, where we did a tournament of the worst teams of the decade. John uh, John really seemed to enjoy this one. He he was working for the Grizzlies for a lot of these teams, and so he was he enjoyed the chance to dive back in on some of these <laughs> squads. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow.